Welcome everyone to a special edition tour life. We have a exclusive interview with none other than Kristen Tatar. We've been trying to get her on the podcast for several weeks now. Really excited to have the time to be able to sit down. We go over tons and tons of different topics and it's an exciting one. We're very excited to be able to share this interview with you all and we hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Without further ado, let's jump into the interview. All right, we have Kristen Tatar with us. We are the day before DDO, the same course that you end up winning Worlds at last year. First and foremost, just want to say thanks for joining us on Tour Life. We've been trying to get you on the last couple of weeks. You're a very, very busy person. This is a highly requested guest on the show. Tons of people have been very curious to have. And we actually, before you came on, we were like, you don't really do podcasts that often. It hasn't. I guess no, yeah, but I mean, I'm honored to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, when I have the opportunity, uh, I'll say yes, but like, I'm also known to say no. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Hey, time time is a valuable thing. So, I mean, Brody and I have talked a lot of, a lot about like guests that we want on, and every time, like when we first started, we were like King Climo, mm-hmm. and Kristen would do it, and yeah. we were always like, ah, I don't know, I don't know. So this is this is huge for us. Um, Super excited. Before we jump in, because obviously I have tons and tons of questions to ask you, but before before we jump in, first off, just congrats on the crazy start of the season, right? Six wins already this season, um, but bigger accomplishment, 100,000 followers on Instagram. Wow. Big time. No way. I didn't know that. Yeah. Congratulations. Massive. Um, your engagement over there is really, really cool to see too, and it's something that I think going forward for disc golf, it's not just about how you're playing on the course, but also the stuff, you know, people getting behind you. You post a lot of pictures, not of disc golf on your Instagram as well. So if you don't follow Kristen on Instagram, make sure you go check her out. Um, Big giveaway too, right? A big bag and like full of discs and everything like that. What do they have to do to to enter into that? Um, I just want people to comment what inspires them most to play disc golf or just in life in general. It's just interesting for me to read and I think for everybody else as well. So we can just get all the comments in one place. And if somebody needs some inspiration, they can go look it up. And I will select the winner uh, next week on Wednesday. Um, They will win a bag full of all the molds that I use right Mm. now. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, the winner has already been decided. (laughs) So what you have to do is make sure you follow Kristen because the giveaway for 250K is coming quick. And it's coming quick. It's going to be right there. It's going to be huge. Um, I'm actually curious about... Instagram because you know how you can click on there and see like what uh not demographic but what like areas follow you the most is it do American followers follow you the most or is it Estonia oh. honestly I don't pay attention to it okay. I, I just I mean the following just has grown sort of naturally uh, over time and I just I don't know I just discovered that there are so many followers and if you start to think about it how many people it is over hundred thousand it's it's many people yeah and um i don't know uh, maybe i should look it up yeah it's interesting i always like doing the stadium thing like that's to me the yeah. coolest thing like if you walked yeah. into a football stadium a college football stadium that can hold a hundred thousand people you know like the university of tennessee can hold like a hundred and nine thousand you walk in all your followers are filled up and you're standing in the middle of the field and you're just like, oh my. <laughs> it's When you start thinking about how many people that is, it's an insane amount of people. Well, that too, but also like 
thinking about that I grew up in a town of like at the time 5,000. Yeah. And then being like, oh my gosh, this is like, you know, <laughs> yeah, so many more than just that. And then to think about like a whole city and then, a, you know, yeah. a bunch of cities like that, I mean, it's kind of mind blowing. But I br- brought it up because I looked, I've looked at it before and mostly American, but then there's a lot of Finnish followers. And then the third is Estonia. Really? So disc golf is absolutely okay. big over there. Yeah. And um, creates the third most that follow follow my Instagram. But uh, I bet most of the followers come from the states. I'm yeah, sure. yeah. Just so, social media is probably bigger over here yes. than it is in yeah. Europe as well. Yeah. So that probably makes sense. Um, all right. My first question is: This off season, you had some elbow issues lingering, and so you decided to end up going through a surgery. Right? Is that what ended up happening? Yes. And you're fully recovered at this point. I would say so. Okay, because yeah. I heard I heard in your press conference today that you mentioned playing this course now. You're like, wait a second, yeah. like I can throw certain shots that you couldn't throw back at Worlds because of the the pain that you had in your elbow. Yes. Uh, so last year I couldn't really throw backhands because it was. I mean, I had this pinched nerve and it was like really bugging me. It was super painful. So I mostly like relied on my forehand. And whenever I had like had to throw a backhand, I did. I did take a lot of painkillers. Um, but um, yeah, I relied on my forehand and lost a lot of distance due to that. So now, for example, even like hole one seems a lot easier. Hmm. I can get a lot more power with the backhand. Um, yeah, it, this course looks different for me now. That's awesome. It would be exciting to see you play it tomorrow as well. Uh, was there a lot of off-season training? I saw some videos on your Instagram of you lifting weights. Was that something that you've always done, or is that something that you've kind of added to your you know off-season training regimen? Uh, I've always done strength uh, training, but um, now I actually consulted a trainer who helped me like put this plan together. So I was following this plan, and I had a lot of trust in it because it wasn't just something that I made up. But it came from a professional uh, and it was specifically planned so I can get all those muscles working and like support everything that was done uh, to the elbow. And I think it helped me a lot just to keep myself moving because I wasn't really able to throw anything. And I think it was uh, a great addition for sure. Nice. Yeah, I think I think having off-season training, that's the time where we can put a lot of work in. Because obviously during the season, it's a little bit harder to do as much as you can in the off season and more during the season feels like more like a maintain, just kind of keep what you got and then build on it again, the off season. So that's great. I know probably a lot of people have already already noticed in your game this season, uh, a difference than when you were kind of dealing with some of the pain, um, and, and elbow issues before. Um, okay. Another question. What? What was the decision to make the move? Because you've been playing disc golf for a while. If you go to your PDGA and look at you know years past, it hasn't. It wasn't like you just jumped on and started playing disc golf a few years ago. What what made you decide to come over to the states and and I wouldn't say I don't know if you would consider a full tour because you kind of go back and forth, but you definitely are over here a lot more often now these past couple of years. What was that decision? Like what made you decide to do that? I mean, the first couple of years that I came over here, I think it was from like 2017 to 2019. Um, I was just excited to play golf. 
and um, just to see all these amazing players here who I was inspired by. Um, but then in in 2019, I won uh, U.S. Women's, and that kind of like opened the door for me to actually get paid for playing disc golf. But then COVID came. Mm. Um, but after that, yeah, I think since it opened that door for me, um, I had the funds to come over here more often and just to almost make it to play the full tour. Um, yeah, I guess just the money was the biggest Just the difference. financial support, yeah. being able to have someone because, yeah, the first front the bill. I, I earned all the money uh, myself and then came over here and it was kind of like a big struggle. <laughs> what was that? What was that like? Like one, so you win U.S. women's. Yeah. And then you have the decision to make to be like, okay, now I'm getting some more funds. But obviously back then they weren't like they are now. And to make the decision, because I don't know what you were doing before that, uh, to say, okay, well, now I'm a professional disc golfer and I got to, you know, push all my chips into that area. That that can a lot of times be a big time intimidating move for, for anybody. Yeah. But what was that like? Was it exciting or was there a lot of pressure for you to be like, okay, well, now I got to actually do this thing? Um, for some reason, I don't know why, but I've always had a lot of trust in it yeah. and in myself being able to like pull it off. Obviously, I didn't imagine all this success for myself, but I don't know. Deep down, I had this feeling that everything's going to be okay. Because, I mean, there have been some really tough times in my life where I like have no money and I, like, I'm a really young mom and I don't know what's going to happen in life. But I mean, yeah, I put all the eggs in one basket, like you said, and it all worked out. But deep down, I had this knowing that I have to do it because I, I've played disc golf because I've, I've just loved it so much. I haven't done it for like acknowledgement or whatever reason, like people do stuff. I don't know, whatever stuff, not only disc golf. Um, I've just always loved, loved the game and uh, I've always loved sports. And I don't know, everything just came together uh, with disc golf for me. And yeah, I don't know how it happened. <laughs> so you mentioned that like you weren't expecting all this, right? When you yeah. came into it, it wasn't like this master plan of, so are you surprised with like how easy it has been these last few years of where, you know, I don't know if you have looked, but your win percentage <laughs> leading into DDO based off of UDIS is 70%. On the MPO side, the highest is Gannon Burr and Ricky Wysocki, I think at like 13 or 15%. Yeah. Um, a lot of people watching right now are looking at you as like the favorite every single event you're in. Is that like something that you weren't expecting kind of coming from, like you said, you came over from 2017 to 2019, you played a few tournaments, mm -hmm. you didn't come over and it was like, oh man, I can, I can dominate this tour. I can, I can win, you know, over 50% of the events. No, this has never been like, um, a goal of mine, like to win every tournament. Mm -hmm. Well, obviously when I enter a tournament, that's my, my goal, but like, I don't know, to say like, I want to dominate like the FBO field. <laughs> it's not me, mm -hmm. but, um, uh, I just, my, my purpose has always been to um, play disc golf to the best of my abilities and like try to search my ceiling. I don't know if I've reached my ceiling, but 
this is what I try to find at, at least. And if I win, it's just a bonus for me. But if I don't, I will accept it. Um, make some notes maybe. Try to like get better. Um, but yeah, I've, I've never like thought that I could come wait here and like win so many events. It's, mm. uh, for me, it's been mind-blowing too. I don't know how it happened. Has there been any events that you've played and you're just like, man, I'm not playing that well. And then you look at the leaderboard and you're like, oh, I'm the first. And then you finish the tournament and you're like, man, that wasn't like my best stuff, but you were able to figure out a way to still win, even though you didn't have your best stuff that week. Um, I mean, I'm sure there have been some tournaments like this. I can't like remember off the top of my head because I feel like I've been just playing very well. Mm -hmm. Like playing thousand rated rounds and and um and the field is getting tough like i think i've just played very well i feel like okay not making too many mistakes i don't feel like i have won and like played like super bad i can't remember <laughs> yeah <laughs> i can't remember okay so then to compound on that question have you played a tournament where you're like that's my best that's my best stuff um, I think Champions Cup, the first three rounds I really played very, very well. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's obviously always room for improvement, mm -hmm. but I felt like my focus was there and like everything seems to come very easily. Like I was in this flow and it, it's not possible to make a mistake. It's not possible to like hit a tree or miss a putt. It, it just felt so amazing. Yeah. Um, the last round, I felt a little bit off my game, I guess. But I mean, at that point, it didn't really make much of a difference because I had such so many, a big lead. Yeah. So, but I think that was one of my best tournaments for sure. Nice. Um, have there been any thoughts of potentially like moving to the United States during the season at all or off season or anything like that? Maybe bring the family over or do you kind of like the situation you're in now where? You bounce back over there, spend some time at home, then come over for a couple of events and kind of do that throughout the year. I think I like it the way it is right now. Uh, I don't really see myself moving here uh, at this moment. I mean, I would love to have my family with me and they will be here for the last trip. Mm. Um, but um, I mean, I just, I, I like it that way. I come here. I have my focus. I know I'm here to do a job. And um, I mean, it kind of like sets this good environment for me. Okay, I'm here to do one thing. Mm -hmm. And and it, it helps me a lot. It's like the way. separate, having that good yeah. separate. A lot of, you know, top athletes talk about that separation of mm -hmm. you can't constantly be thinking about the sport you're in 24-7. You got to have that ability of being able to separate, remove yourself from it have some downtime, whether it's with friends or family or whatever, and then be able to jump back into it and have that balance in your life, I think is, is huge for a lot yeah. of people. It makes a lot of sense. Um, do you have a time frame of like how much longer you want to play for? Is that something that you think about at all? Um, because you're starting into, I, I guess, your additional question on top of that is what else do you want to you know, do in disc golf that you haven't already done? Like what other goals do you have? Um, like I said, find my ceiling, I guess. Like, I don't know if I've reached it. Uh, but, um, I mean, there are some more tournaments I would love to win. Mm -hmm. I haven't won European championships, for example. 
Um, I would love a w- love to win a European Championship title. Um, I haven't won European Open. That's also a nice title to get. So maybe uh, work towards like these goals. And I mean, right now I have two more years of my contract. Um, I haven't been really contemplating forward from that After time. That. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, I would definitely want to stay involved. I don't want to predict how long my career will last. Mm-hmm. As long as I, I have this fire in me, I will continue probably. Right. But if I see uh, that it starts to like fade away, I don't see a point anymore. Maybe I, I need to find another outlet for myself because whatever I do in life, I feel like I want to do it with with my best effort. Okay. So you don't have like a number in mind. Let's say, you know, let's say you win the next, uh, you know, four world championships and you're sitting at five at that point, right? Uh, you don't have a like, ooh, I really want to get that six. And maybe like you drag on your career a few more years really chasing that six. There's not like a number of majors or anything like that. You're simply, I'm just going to keep going until. I think so. I'm, because I don't want to set the number. I think that will also put some unnecessary pressure on myself. I don't really need it. Okay. Just as long as I'm playing disc golf, I just want to do it to the best of my abilities. And if it works out for me, it's it's good. And if it doesn't really fulfill me anymore, then it's time to move on. And I just want to be smart enough to like recognize this moment. Love that. We're not recording on this, are we? No, we're good. It's it's just everything's going on through that, so we're all solid. Um, okay. This was kind of a fan question that a lot of people, when we said that you're coming on, they they wanted me to ask. So what is the reason behind the blue disc? To me, it seems like an absolute crazy thing because I would feel like I would have such a hard time finding all the discs I want that are blue. And then if I lose one, then I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to find another blue. What is, what is that? What started that? Also, well, I think I might know the answer. Then do you have white discs? Um. I do, I do. I have some black discs as well. Oh. But, but, <laughs> but I also have some purple discs now. Okay, so, yeah. that, okay, that, so you're kind of expanding yeah, a little bit? Yeah, I've evolved over time. Okay. I guess <laughs> blue used to be my really like my favorite color. Mm-hmm. But I feel like now I'm at a place where I love all the colors. Okay. So, but I mean, I've just stuck with the blue mostly. I've I've been adding some colors to my bag, but I think it looks very neat. Very nice. Yeah. So, I'm sure too. Yeah. If you if you hit up Latitude and you're like, "Hey, I needed some blue blah blah," they're like, "Right away, right away, right, <laughs> yeah. no problem." Please let us know. Yeah. I thought it'd be because of uh, the flag, yeah. well, but it's not, or maybe a little, maybe a little. But like as I said, right now I don't really care that much anymore. But I mean, it's just it looks nice. Yeah, it does look. Yeah, sick. yeah. it is a sick thing. There are a couple people too that uh, that have you know our followers of foundation or whatever that are also, we have a, our discord, we have like a blue mm-hmm. team or almost of where it's mm-hmm. like, they also all bag oh, blue wow. discs and they take photos and stuff. It does look really nice. The one that whole I, blue thing. It looks nice. The one that I see the most, the color that's the most where they're like, I like all orange. And that one blows my mind. Orange. Interesting. And then they'll wear orange. Like there's, they're probably, they'll probably listen to this, but that's the most in my career that I've seen where it's like, no, I only throw orange. Mm. I like the rainbow too, when they color coordinate all the colors through their bag. Yeah. Yeah. It looks nice too. It's cool. 
Um, okay, so you did mention you are trying to figure out, like, have I reached my ceiling? Is there anything that you can pinpoint right now in your game where you're like, this is something that I would love to get better at? This is something that I feel like maybe I'm missing, whether it's distance, whether it's a certain shot shape. What is there anything that jumps out at you as like, oh, this could elevate my game if I added this? I mean, a lot of things could probably. Uh, <laughs> is there anything that you're like actively currently working on, I guess, right now? Right now, I'm feeling that everything uh, is working well. Mm-hmm. I I don't think I can say that I'm best at like anything specific. I don't I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I feel like I'm good enough in in many aspects that it works out for me you know because i can throw forehand backhand i can putt well when i'm like i have a good putting day um from circle two from circle one um so yeah i think just this overall like skill set and the consistency works uh, to my favor okay sweet and you mentioned putting that was another thing i wanted to ask you something that i think a lot of people listening to this podcast right now struggle with is getting power on their putt yeah they have you know when they get to that 30 footer or when they get to a 45 50 footer they just feel like they have no chance of generating that power and i would say you and a handful of other fpo players really seem like have a big advantage on the field because you're able to generate so much power with your putt that you extend your make range, right? Mm -hmm. Some people might have that 25 feet and then once they get outside 25 feet, they have to do a lot more to get it and that's going to lower their consistency. Yeah. You're putting from 45 feet and, you know, if I'm, if my angle is like a weird angle to where I can't see the distance, it looks like you're putting from 20 feet. It doesn't look like you're doing that much difference. So like, what do you... I guess for the listeners at home, do you have any advice for them on like how to generate? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I didn't want to throw us under the bus, Yuli, but yeah, I'm putting us there. Um, any advice to be able to generate more power? Mm-hmm. I just remembered with that uh, when I just started playing, there was this like group of co- uh, guys that I played with because not a lot of women played, mm-hmm. and I was always amazed how they can like approach with a chump putt or just with putting, because for me, it was mind-blowing. I took a driver and did my motion. Um, But I think just after some time, I discovered that I can do it also. So I think it was just practice. Mm. I know everybody wants like a shortcut. Yep. Yeah. That there's like this magical thing that you do to generate power. I mean, obviously, if you like practice your like wrist action and everything, like it gets better. But um, mostly it's just practice. Yeah. Just practice. get that pop. I yeah. I, so. I, no one really likes to have that answer of where it's like, ah, you just got to, yeah. you just got to go out there and do it. Yeah. Everyone wants to be like, oh, is it, and does my finger, my pinky need to like touch each other and get that. Um, but yeah, I, you're right. And I think to it, it relates the same as like throwing power. Yeah. The best way, obviously there's timing and mechanics and fundamentals and all that. But ultimately, the best way of generating power is you go out to the field, you throw as hard as you can for 20 or 30 tries, and then you're done. And then the next day, you go back out, you throw as hard as you can, and eventually you start getting, you know, those muscles will start growing that, yeah, produce the power. I also think that the revolution of the game has pushed the the putting range so far. Yes. Like when I first got into the game, it was very circle one oriented where you just had to make all that certainly is to this day you got to make those putts of course but now we're having you know 
people make 45 50, 50, yeah. is like the new circle kind of thing to where you're wanting to make a lot of those and then 50 to 60 is that bonus range mm-hmm. and i think in the future we're going to see that even go out to like 70 80 to where that's the new circle it's just going to keep expanding and expanding Unless we get and that's because baskets. you know with like disc golf in general we didn't have to practice it so we didn't but yeah. as it keeps going and going and growing and growing everything's going to get even our distances around the tour has gotten huge i feel like we don't give enough credit to our bodies because our bodies are very smart so once we start to practice i think our bodies will figure out the most effective way how Mm. to do that motion Mm. so whether it's like driving or putting if you practice enough your body will figure out how to do it and for every person i think it's slightly different Mm. very true all right. Well, you talked a little bit about your rating. Is that something that you are keeping a watch on? Is that is hitting that thousand rated, being the first FPO player ever to do so? Mm. Is that something that's kind of in the back of your mind a little bit, or is it one of those? If it happens, it happens. It's so funny because I haven't really thought about it. It's it. It has never been um, a purpose mm-hmm. of mine. Uh, but I see it online sometimes. I don't really pay attention what goes on online too much. But like sometimes I see that Some people are like stuff. discussing <laughs> about like, oh, she's not playing this event probably because of the rating. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not playing because it doesn't fit my plan. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not. Um, I mean, I play the tournaments that I like and where I think it's mo- most efficient for me to be at like the biggest events and then when i go home i just rest i don't play a local tournament to keep my rating but to just rest and get some time off to a tour so yeah like you said if it happens then it happens if it doesn't happen i mean i'm not sad it's just like i don't know I don't think well, about it. We might have to have you back on or get get a quote from you if you start getting to like 997, 998 and be like, is it a little bit more? You know? well, and it's like, uh, it's like 999. I feel like every single player who's ever been a thousand rated, they get stopped right there. They're like, this is the time. It happened to me for sure. And then the rating comes out and I'm like, yeah. 999 are you serious like i feel like the pdga plays a joke on you they're like they're like oh yeah you're probably like 10 15 but 999 yeah here's a question yeah oh go ahead i i just wanted to say that i don't think that the rating is necessarily a true reflection of a player's skills let's go (laughs) yes like i don't think i love hearing that yeah i don't think it's important because i i mean i'm my worth doesn't go up because I'm thousand rated mm. or it doesn't go down if I'm like 950 rated. So it's it's not like I'm not dependent on what's my rating. I'm still me and I'm still going to have my skills. So it is what it is. Do you base... Okay, so you, you might just answer my question, but just curious. There are some pros out there where they'll go and they'll play around right in a tournament let's say tomorrow they go out and they play and they're like man i played really well today then they'll go on pdj and they'll look and they'll be like oh i shot below my rating maybe i didn't i didn't play well do you do that at all do you base how you feel you played on the rating number after your round or do you base it off of how many putts you made how you felt your driving consistency was 
Um, just how I felt. Okay. And if it felt good, it doesn't m- matter how I'm rated. I love that. And yeah, so that trips. I think that trips up a lot of pros yeah. of where, like, yeah. you know, you don't need to look at that number and have that because we all know some courses don't rate well. Yeah. Some courses rate well. Yeah. And I think so. And and I mean, when I first came over here. Then a lot of the people were surprised. Oh my gosh, she uh, like shot like 60 points over her rating. Mm. And I'm like, no, I played the same way. We just get lower ratings in Estonia. Mm, And that's true. And um, so I've never really paid attention to my rating. And I mean, it's just out there somewhere, but like... I don't know, but if you get close to a thousand, that is a yeah. story. That is it a story. Is. That is that is yeah. that's a his, that's a historical yeah. thing. As much as we want to say whatever about ratings, that would be something cool to mm-hmm. you know a cool storyline. So, sure. well, I'm sure everyone at home will keep their eye out on that. Um, all right, I already asked you about that. Um, okay, what what are the big differences? And maybe you can maybe you can tell us like your likes and your dislikes between touring in Europe and touring in the United States. Uh, to be honest, I'm not a good person to ask this question mm. because I haven't been in playing in Europe consistently for like, it's been a while. So it's like, like four years. So it's changed. It's, it's probably changed a whole lot. The landscape. I'm sure it is now. Yeah. I think once silver gets here, you can ask him, Okay, but like, yeah, I don't really know because I think uh, everything is there anything, has... anything going on in Europe that you're like, oh, I wish that was happening now in the States? Mm-hmm. Is there anything like that? Or do you feel like the Disc Golf Pro Tour is doing a pretty solid job at... Disc Golf Pro Tour is definitely doing a good job. And I think Europeans are trying to match all the efforts that the Pro Tour ha- has been doing for the so they're players. So almost at their I tour. So. Okay. That's my, Interesting. my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I said, I haven't played the events over there for a while now. Uh, maybe I have the opportunity next year, but I think everything is getting bigger and better in Europe too. And I'm just so happy to see it. What about like in Estonia, like you don't play a lot of tournaments, obviously you, you said that, but what about, what is it like going to the grocery store and, and stuff? Because I know you're Ooh. a pretty big deal in Estonia Good question. And, and an athlete that a lot of people know about. Do you get recognized a lot um, or? I think people certainly recognize, but they're not as outgoing as Americans. Mm. So here, for example, when I flew over here, one of the flight attendants was like, I know you, you're Kristen, right? I'm like, yes, I play disc golf. Do you play disc golf? And like, um, they're very like outgoing and they want to like talk to you and, and just, super friendly not that estonians aren't friendly but they're just more reserved and they don't want to bother you and it's just different but i can see it from the eyes yeah (laughs) (laughs) we uh we had a trip over to switzerland me and kelsey and we were like walking you know to like the nearest bakery or something it was like five or ten minutes and we passed like three or four people and we're like oh hey how's it going have a nice day and like no one said anything back to us, and <laughs> and it was like you're saying it wasn't because they're mean and they want to. It's just not, yeah, it's yeah. not the the culture over yes. in Europe a lot. Exactly. A lot of times people just kind of stick to what they're doing, and yeah, you know, over here in yeah. America we kind of like to bust our chest down, like hey, how's it going, over there, neighbor? <laughs> um, so it's a little bit different. But I'm sure once you get into the arena of disc golf, then it's the are the crowds pretty good and. Or is it still like when you're in America? Is it like yeah, in America? I feel like I'm like 
this i don't know who i am I'm like, like a rock star yeah. i'm over here like i said i'm a unicorn yeah like every like everybody yeah. treats me like i'm special but i'm like no every <laughs> like every human being is special yeah. i'm not nothing different but it's it's definitely definitely like a different vibe over here hmm. so but i i love them both yeah it's a, it's a nice contrast for sure um okay so you recently became a member of the estonia estonian olympic committee top athletes program um i was trying to look at information do you have more details on exactly like what that honor means like mm -hmm. are they giving you access to training facilities are they helping you with financial support what what does that actually mean being because mm -hmm. the title itself sounds really awesome really awesome yeah i mean uh yeah we have this program where um athletes get like support and i think it's different support some some uh athletes get like financial support some get to like visit uh, sports doctors nutritionists oh wow maybe. okay yeah get some help like with all the mental side of the things and um i don't think mine includes like financial benefits uh and to be honest, it's very fresh news, so I don't even know. Mm. Once I go back, I will have a meeting with okay. them and discuss oh, all nice. the opportunities, so I don't want to lie here. Okay. So, But it's a very good news, and just a disc golfer to be recognized at that level. Yeah. And uh, most of the athletes are um, mm. Olympic athletes. I was going to say, yeah. it seems like it would be, from the title, it seems like it would be yeah. like yeah. Olympic athletes. Yeah. Disc golf's not in the Olympics. So the no. fact that they've added you in yeah. there is like... Yeah, but there are some non-Olympic um, disciplines there as well, okay. like even a snooker player, I think, oh, who's nice. doing very oh, wow. well. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's a very good program and I'm looking forward to having that meeting with them and getting to know the people better and, and the benefits as well. Fantastic. That's awesome. Um, okay. I kind of want to jump in a little bit on like the FPO course, I guess, side of things and the design and how you, what you feel right now is kind of going. Cause we talk, we talk about the FPO side and, you know, obviously we're not playing your guys's layouts, you know, at DDO, we're not playing your layout. So we, all we can do is really see your baskets, see the T signs, see the T pads and kind of, you know, get a decent idea of what it is, but how do you feel like the evolution has been on the FPO side with course design? Mm, I think the courses have gotten longer because I, f I feel like when I first came over here, I remember I was su so surprised. I think I played U.S. women's and I was mostly like throwing putters and mid-ranges. And I was like, is this how they do courses for women here? Mm. It was just surprising because it was a lot different. We uh, are used to playing uh, the same layout with the men, which I don't necessarily agree with. I think we are different. Mm -hmm. And um, I think men should have like a course that's, specifically designed to them and women should have a, a course that's uh, specifically designed to us um but so far i feel like the courses have been playing pretty well i don't know i've i've managed to play all the courses well uh and when i'm out here uh touring i don't really contemplate about the courses I mean, okay i feel like it's not my job my job is to come here um develop a game plan mm. and i mean 
I just try not to think about it. It's uh, you give me a course and I will play it. <laughs> Do you think though that because you know pay, we had Paige on here, yeah, and you know we brought up some topics and you know she was I think being modest in the sense of saying like well my opinion doesn't really matter, mm. but I think like top players in both divisions, especially with where disc golf is right now. I would say that like your opinion on like course design, I don't think it should be like the gospel truth and whatever you mm-hmm. say, like the disc golf pro tour needs to like bend down and be like, yes, yes, Kristen, of course we'll change it. But I think like feedback that you could give of like, Hey, I don't really think this course really plays that well and whatever. Like, I think that could help with, you know, potentially future course design. Or oh. do you feel like, that's again just not something that you're interested in doing and you just kind of want to focus on the play if somebody would like specifically ask me to do it then i would look with that kind of like Ah, eyes yeah to to maybe notice what could be done better or whatever but like typically when i play a course i just accept that okay this is the course this week mm-hmm. and i'm gonna just develop a game plan that suits my game and not really worry about whether i like this hole or i don't like this hole because as soon as i like make up my mind then it's like i don't i don't think it's good you know yeah it's a fair point no it's definitely a fair point um do you like tournaments where the fpo has their completely different course for example like texas states MPO mm-hmm. was on one side of the property. FPO was on another side of the property. Are you, is, is that more, are you more interested in playing tournaments like that? Or do you feel that the pro tour is doing a decent job of, because a lot of times these courses were playing, for example, DDO, that course was designed for MPO. Yeah. And then they're like, how do we design an FPO course that mm-hmm. matches? Right. Mm-hmm. And some of the holes just don't make sense. It, it's hard to, make a hole that works for both mm-hmm. versus being able to be like, Hey, this is a property. We're just going to make the best FPO course possible. Mm-hmm. Do you think that is maybe the future of disc golf is like separating the two tours to having their own courses, but in the same area? I guess it could be one option and it could also like fit more players, I guess, you know, because when we have separate courses, then obviously feels get bigger. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, so far, I think the Pro Tour has done a good job um, either way. And I think it just depends on what kind of property we play at and what are the possibilities, because I don't think we can just ask for two different courses from all the properties. Like, I... I don't know if we can... It'd be tough, like, certain... Like, courses like Maple Hill. Yes. It'd be tough for, like... Yes. The MPO gets to play Maple Hill, yeah, yeah. FPO doesn't get to play Maple Hill. Yeah. That would be, or USDGC even, yeah. you know, I don't know really what the answer is to that. Yeah. I just know sometimes I do hear from the FPO yeah. side where they feel like okay. they're playing on a course that was just like, oh, we'll just throw a tee pad here or we'll just throw okay. a basket here. And yeah. it, it doesn't feel like maybe as much thought was put in. Yeah. That's some of the concerns I have heard mm-hmm. or I've seen on social media. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes, yeah. Not, not all the time, Yeah, like... It's definitely something to think about, but I mean, I try not to worry about it because I feel like right now it's not my it. job. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably the smart way of doing it. All right, we're going to get into something that I think, and you can let us know if you want to touch further on it or maybe direct people because I know you've maybe posted on, I believe, Instagram about it. Mm-hmm. But this was something that, you know, a lot of people did ask me to bring up. 
And I'm also kind of curious too, because this year you went out to Champions Cup and just like you said, Mm -hmm. first three rounds laid the hammer down. Mm -hmm. Last year, going into Mm -hmm. Champions Cup, you were kind of in a, a position to win and you had that situation with your daughter. And that seems like something that would throw almost anyone off their game. Was that like, do you want to kind of, do you want to maybe describe? Cause I think some people are kind of confused still of what exactly happened, mm-hmm. what went down, and then maybe like your thought process throughout that round. Well, I mean, yes. I mean, I just, in the middle of the round, I was informed that she could not be there because she was not eligible to like caddy, even though, I mean, a player like, I don't know how to say it, but she was not supposed to be there. Okay. And it's I obviously my fault. I should Because know. of her age. She was Yeah. Because based off a of PDGA ruling, she yeah. didn't meet the requirements age wise for her caddy. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um yeah, so my heart was racing and um the word word like disqualified was mm. named somewhere. And I was like super stressed and I was thinking, okay, when when they disqualify me, it's so be it. Because I mean, I'm not going to leave her somewhere in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> I have to. Then I have to walk off the course, and it's it's okay. But uh, there was this very nice volunteer who uh, took her under his wing, and I mean, I was able to play and finish. And but I can't really blame my second place on that. I mean. Mm. I mean, it's just happened, and I think the last hole, it was just, I, I feel like I didn't even do anything wrong. Um, my my layup was just a little bit, like, off, and then I threw my approach shot, which didn't really get a skip because of a root on the ground. Mm. Then I tried to make the putt, but it was just slid off the basket, and then I didn't make the comeback. I mean, it, it happens. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, yeah. it can happen to anybody. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, there were a lot of people who were blaming all the stuff that was going on but i don't like really blame anything Hmm. i mean it was just something that happened and it actually fueled my fire for this year's event because i was super like laser focused if i had like one last year maybe i would have had more pressure on this year i don't know i don't know how it play yeah so i mean it was just um valuable experience for me i don't really look uh, back at it with a bitter heart i just That's acknowledge good. it happened i mean i learned from it and now i have new challenges ahead of me so. and now i won by 17 shots <laughs> <laughs> i think a lot of people too can learn a lot from what you just said too about how you don't you don't blame what ended up happening on that situation and you look maybe at oh man, I missed a putt here. Or, oh, I didn't hit my gap here. And you look at your game to then, what can I do better next year? I think a lot of times it's easy for us to f- try to find that out. That sh- Oh, right. I-, I woke up uh, and uh, I slept in my alarm and I didn't have as much practice as I normally do. And that's why I play bad. And you just make these excuses and you end up never like fixing what actually is the problem. So, I mean, that's that's commendable because I'm sure a ton of people would have taken the out of like, well, yeah, what do you think I was supposed to do? Win when my daughter is in a foreign country and I just, she gets, you know. Also, I just want to throw it out there. I think the way that the PDGA handled that situation was terrible. I don't know if they apologized or whatnot. 
I, you should not, that should not have gotten into the, if, if it was an issue, it should have happened on hole one yeah. before the tournament, yeah. before the round started. That's what I'm thinking too, because we had, uh, everybody was there, but I wasn't not informed. I mean, it was my job to know it beforehand. I, I obviously sure. know that, but like nobody really said anything. So I thought it was a little bit weird, but I mean... Let's be honest, there was a lot of weird stuff last year with the support players, like people were having like people that weren't really catting in the lot. There was a lot more la- a la- relaxed last year about who could be inside the right. ropes, where this year it's very like Strict. you, your caddy, that's it. Yeah. No one else, yeah. which is what they honestly needed to do. So, um, okay. Uh, I do want to ask you a little bit about your practice routine. This is something that, you know, not that many people post about or talk about. And, you know, I think a lot of people at home would love to kind of get a detail of how do you approach like this week? If you want to kind of go through what, what does a practice week look like leading into a tournament for you? Mm -hmm. So this year I've been playing one practice round per day. Last year I did two (laughs) <laughs> wow. And that's why my elbow got hurt, I feel like. Okay, over just, a lot of throwing. Yeah, a lot of throwing. And I mean, I obviously throw uh, multiple tee shots just to like figure out what yeah. like works for me, uh, forehand, backhand, whatever, like different discs and trying to figure out what's the highest percentage shot for me on each hole. And um, probably like, well, Monday is a fun day. Ooh. I usually, <laughs> usually just rest. But like Tuesday would be, I guess, the most intense practice day where I throw the most. And then I try to like narrow it down and maybe the day before I just play mostly like one shot. But yeah, just multiple throws, a lot of putting around each basket and multiple like approach shots and that's it. So you do most of, it sounds like you do all your practicing during your practice round. Yes. There's, you're not going to a field before or after and throwing, you're not putting at, in the back of your Airbnb or anything like that. You're sometimes, okay, so, but not like if I feel like I need to like work on something or my putting feels a little bit off, then I do it extra to gain confidence. But mostly I just practice the course because I feel like I have a lot of confidence uh, in my abilities and uh, I trust that I've done all the work in the off season. So now I just have Meditating to play. and yeah. just execute game exactly. plan. Exactly. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Two practice rounds in one day. I did that a couple of times. I think I did that my first time at D-Glow. Never again. <laughs> two Shoot, practice played, rounds uh, at Toboggan. I Ooh. played with him and Ezra for their practice round. They're <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll meet you guys out there. And... Hold 12, I was laying on the ground in the grass. <laughs> like, I didn't go any farther. Like, how are you guys throwing so many shots? Oh, uh, it was hilarious. Yeah, and I think it's just, it's, again, it's one of those things of where, you know, me and Ezra have been practicing that way this whole season. So, like you said, you kind of, your body just builds up to it if you're used to throwing five, six shots off of every tee pad. Yeah. Um, okay. I do want to get a little bit into this discussion because this has been something that has been a big issue in FPO. And it's, you know, um, again, it's it's a hot topic. So I am completely fine with you saying as much as you want to say about it or as little as much as you want to say about it. Me and Yuli have kind of spoke on it a little bit. Um, Nally Ryan actually just posted, I believe today or yesterday, that she filed another lawsuit against the PDGA and the Disc Golf Pro Tour 
This is not a situation that, again, looks like it's kind of going away. It looks like it's going to kind of be an ongoing thing. Um, there was a document out at OTB Open. Um, you were one of the signatures on there among many other FPO players. Do you have a state? You haven't, you know, and a lot of people, we talked to Paige about this. A lot of FPO people haven't really come out and put their opinion on the matter out there. Um, and if you don't, I completely understand it because it is a really hard situation, but is that something that you're comfortable talking about on your stance and like what, what is going on What you probably have a better idea of like what FPO players are talking about than obviously me and Yuli do. I mean, yeah. Uh, first of all, I think, uh, the reason why a lot of players have not been coming out with their ideologies, doesn't matter which side you're on. It hasn't been like, I don't feel like it has been safe, mm. at least for me. Last year, I think we were threatened to be disqualified if we don't agree with wow. the ideolo- ideology. Okay. Um, who was that? Who? who? Well, I think there was this like s- statement that if you, I can't remember it off the top through, of my head. But through I, the Disc Golf Pro Tour or PDJ, like someone like a I establishment was, came out and said something along the lines of? Disc Golf Pro Tour. Okay. So it didn't feel really, maybe I misinterpreted mm. I don't know, but I feel like um, you could only stand on one side of the matter. Okay. Um, well, first of all, I think like I accept everybody as they come. Doesn't matter what is your like sexuality preferences, how do you want to dress up, what religion you have, what skin color you have. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I think, like, I judge a person by their character, not their ideologies. Um, that being said, I think in sports, um, to me, it's obvious why there are two divisions. Mm-hmm. To me, it's obvious. I don't know. <laughs> For some people, I think it's it's not obvious. I don't know. But... um. I don't know if you guys can tell me one discipline where women have a better world record than the men. Is there like... See, I think certain sports, the ones that kind of jump out to me, there's only a handful, um, but I'm blanking on a few. The one that I always thought like where women might have an advantage would be like gymnastics. But then I've also heard from gymnastics like people that do gymnastics have like, no, if the men did the women's gymnastic yeah. like discipline, they would do it yeah. better. I don't know, but that does seem like there may be some events yeah. that are specific for them. Well, yeah, I don't know like the specifics, but if I think but of if you look like at weightlifting, swimming, weightlifting, running. I heard running, there could be a world record that is held by a woman, I think. Like on what event? I don't know. I oh. think I just I just saw it somewhere. I mean, oh, mar- marathon time five. Yeah, yeah, it was like a long, it was a long, long distance. Oh, okay. Thing. Well, I yeah. I agree that like if you compare men's like top athletes and women's top athletes, I think women hit the ceiling earlier. Mm. I mean, we are designed differently. Mm. I feel like uh, women are designed to do their thing, and mm. men designed to do other things. Yeah, and um. I mean, just, I think um, women should be in their own category. And I think biological women 
should have their own category. And um, yeah, that's 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 my opinion. And I yeah. respect that people have other opinions, but like this is just in sports. Yeah. I feel like, and in life, as I said, it doesn't matter who you are. I, I want everybody to succeed. And I, most of all, I want everybody to be happy, but to be happy, I feel like you have to look inward. You cannot be, um, put that weight on someone else's shoulders. So I cannot expect you guys to make me happy. Mm-hmm. I have to make myself happy. And when I make myself happy, then happiness comes all around. So, but if I always constantly like look outwards and rely on other people to do stuff for me and then put my happiness dependent on that, I think this is like, it's already set up for failure. And um, it's, uh, I mean, it's just... um, Mostly it's just heartbreaking to me because I see that the FBO division is kind of like divided in in that sense. And I, I feel like I want us to do like, I want us all to be one like happy community so that we can be comfortable on the course uh, with each other. Do you and- feel like that th- this year has been different than years past with like kind of people being like you believe your name was on that thing and my name wasn't and so there's a little bit of a division there were some people who were like specifically trying to figure out uh the names of the uh persons who like uh signed the document Mm -hmm. and i haven't been really this is the first time i'm speaking uh, about this yeah and hey i want to give you props because obviously it is something like i said like a lot of people just aren't even willing to have the discussion i think that's a big problem if you have a if you have an issue and both sides are scared to talk about the issue, how the heck are you even supposed to solve the issue if no one's yes. deciding to talk about yeah. it? I, yes, our purpose should be finding common ground. Mm-hmm. That's what I feel like. And um, I think we have to be honest with each other. doesn't matter uh, which side you're on or what your beliefs are, but um, I want us all to be uh, happy and be able to play disc golf uh, in fair conditions and just to like respect each other yeah. and uh, our views. So yeah, this has been a little bit uh, heartbreaking for me. And after signing the document, obviously some people found out that my name was there. Mm-hmm. And I saw some comments that uh, Kristin's uh, discs uh, should be thrown into the water and uh, um, like really nasty stuff. And I've never said anything like mm-hmm. this to anybody. And I don't think anybody deserves to have these comments said to them. My biggest thing, if we're creating divisions, if we have men's and women's, if we have under 15, if we have masters where you have to be over a certain age, we're creating these divisions for a reason. And why is that reason? To me, the obvious answer is we're creating a division for people to be competitive in those divisions. And I guess to just ask a question to you, um, just to kind of get your idea, because this was also something I was asked, like Serena Williams, when she was at her peak in tennis, mm-hmm. they asked her like, Hey, where would you, you know, if you played against the men, where would you rank? And she like, was like, Oh, I died a couple hundred in the world. Right. She kind of was just like uh, somewhere in there. We had Paige on here. We talked about this too, about where there is something to be said about people that are willing to put, 
you know, what maybe some would consider like crazy ideas of where I can do this, I can do this. I think that's how we achieve something like the first person to ever break the four minute mile. If that person told someone like, I'm going to run faster in four minutes in this mile, people would be like, you're insane. No one's ever done that before, but it kind of takes someone to do that. Do you want to kind of hypothetically, if you were playing on the MPO side on the disc golf pro tour, do you want to hypothetically guess where you would finish? Because there has been a lot of people on line kind of throwing their ideas out. Do you have any guess of where you would, if you were, if you were playing DDO this week, let's say on the MPO side? I think it's absolutely delusional to think that I would cash in MPO playing on pro tour. Mm. Yeah, we can maybe go on a short putter course and maybe test our skills there because I think there the odds are a little bit better uh, if it's just like approach shots and maybe putting. Mm -hmm. But on the pro tour, I would not cash. I don't think so. Like, I think the my placement would be in three digits. Mm. I, I would assume. Um, and and to be honest, I I mean I I don't want to be like beating men. I I love the idea that there are stronger people in the world who can actually like protect me and and be better than me. Mm. So I'm not bothered by this idea or obsessed about like beating men. Mm. I don't know. I don't even think about it because um, I mean I'm a woman and I do like. I, I think I, I have success in my own division, but if we didn't have FBO division, there would be no Kristin Tatar coming from Estonia. Um, if we were all playing together. Yes, no, one, I would. One division. I would not have this career. Um, and I'm so thankful that we have this division. And it has just opened so many doors for me. And um, I'm so grateful to that. And, and, um, yeah, that's my thought. I've always thought the FPO side, the way I view it is like the FPO side is a lot more relatable to the people watching because the distances that you guys throw, the whole length are relatable distances and the holes and layouts are relatable to maybe the people playing at their local course or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they're seeing like, holy cow, like Kristen just doesn't miss circle one putts oh my gosh, Kristen's just lacing all these lines. And then on the MPO side, when you've got like Eagle out there, when you got AB, when you got Paul, when you got uh, Simon, all these people throwing these ridiculous shots, it's, it's more looking at stuff of like, I can never achieve that. They're doing things that are unachievable for me mm-hmm. where I can, you know, if I'm an amateur, let's say I'm like a 900 rated player, I can watch you play and probably take a lot of notes and be like, oh my gosh, her course management is so smart there. Like she decided to lay up um, that, you know, shot instead of yeah. run it and saved her a stroke. Maybe I can start doing that. Yeah. To me, like that's a super valuable piece on the FPO side. Do you guys kind of think the same way? 100%. I definitely do. But I, the one thing that I also like just listening to a few of your answers even with your course preparation, the way you handle situations, the one thing that I do feel like is very relatable with the two divisions is the mental side of the game, mm-hmm. you know? And that is something that you 100% are better than a lot of the best players in the world. Really good. In MPO. 
you, you know what I mean? That is something that everybody can strive for to have that good, solid mental game, which I know you have just with like the answers of, um, even with, you know, what we're talking about with the champions cup and that unfortunate situation is the way just listening to you and the way that you handle that situation to be like, no, I put that on myself. That was unfortunate for the things that I, I did and I learned from it. And then winning the tournament the next year, obviously you did like, that's not like something that, well, I, you know, that's a generic answer sometimes for a lot of people. And so I feel like that is something that everybody can strive for. Yeah. Yeah. I just shared this quote on my Instagram that like, um, what you think did not work out for you, in fact, worked out for you. So just accept life as it yeah. comes. Always try to find the positive. Yeah. Yeah. Like try, inward. Try. What yeah. you can do, you always have a choice. Even if it seems like you don't have a choice, you always have a choice. Mm, love that. All right. A little bit, uh, last disc golf co- or question, I guess, and then I've got a few fun ones. So Paul, Paul Macbeth right now is over in Europe playing a lot of European tour events and has obviously, we've discussed the tournaments he's played in. If he wasn't playing in those tournaments, we probably wouldn't be talking about them on the podcast. There's other European players that we have now mentioned and, and brought to people's attention to pay, pay attention to. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you do you hope that more events end up happening in the year in Europe in the future of where more Americans are going over and like maybe not fifty fifty, but mm-hmm. you know, right now two events is what I would say the majority of the touring players, you have Sula and the European Open, and then every, all the Americans are coming back. Would you like to see more in the future? Yeah, I guess in my mind's eye, I, I can envision like a world tour that you see, tried mm. to do some years ago, uh, that we have like different events in like different continents and like players just travel around the world. Like it's, I don't know, in any other sport. Yeah. It's just, it's, I think it's fun uh, to experience like other cultures and to go like, to engage more people around the world with disc golf because it's very like in the States right now. And I can see why. Um, and it's, it's okay, but it's just, I, I can imagine it's, it's more fun that way. Mm. And, and disc golf would benefit greatly from it in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I think Paul being in Europe right now, I think it's very good for just the, overall disc golf scene over there. I think uh, he has engaged a lot of um, people over there and uh, made it more visible to everyone, I guess. So hopefully next year it will be more attractive to even more like top pros. And, yeah. I, I mean, I wasn't even aware there was two uh, tours over there. Right. Yeah. So like, I think there's a, a lot of just knowledge that is like kind of coming out from him being over there. Yeah. Well, and some of the tours I didn't, I personally didn't even know I could go play in like, mm-hmm. because of like the, oh. um, yeah. what do you call it? The finished championships. Like mm-hmm. we're not allowed to play in that, you know, American. So I didn't know if there was like a certain tour that I would be like, oh, can I come play that? Can I play in this event? Type thing just because of that, mm-hmm. you know, me not being educated in, in that sort of thing. But it's something that I'm definitely been thinking about for a long time is going and making a tour in Europe. I love Europe. I lied. Estonia. <laughs> Last disc golf question. What advice do you have with someone that is dealing with like crowd anxiety? Some, you know, when the cameras show up, when the gallery gets bigger, mm-hmm. 
you, you know, Yuli kind of mentioned on a little bit, you never seem to be flustered. You never seem to be like the, the, the moment is too big. What, what advice can you give to maybe someone that, you know, they're playing a good round and then all of a sudden the disc golf pro tour, you know, camera shows up or they're at a local B tier event and they play really well the first round and now they're on lead card and now there's a few people watching. Like what, what has helped you kind of, you know, cause we all get anxious. The idea that no one gets nervous is insane. If, yeah. you, if someone says I'm not nervous about something, that just means you don't care. Yeah. If you care, we all get the butterflies. We all get nervous. How, what has helped you to kind of get rid of those and, and push through them? I guess the reason behind what, like behind the anxiousness is, uh, is what we have to, uh, discover mm. or ask why we have this anxiety and go really deep and, and to see, yeah, what is the reason behind this? Because I think we all have have anxiety in some areas of our lives. And yeah, I've been doing a lot of work related to this. And, and I have a, um, well, I have this uh, strong belief that a lot of things start uh, from our childhood. So um, there are some ways to go back and like sort of try to like, dissolve this feeling that creates this because I think inside even though you're a grown man there is a child in there somewhere Mm -hmm. who might be hurt Mm -hmm. and then sometimes we act like children (laughs) (laughs) but but if we heal that part in ourselves then less and less uh, stuff start to bother us and then we can see behind our egos we can see that we are actually all one, that uh, everyone is a person. Um, we are just trying to figure out life here. What is there to be nervous about? Nothing. Good, good we, point. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. there's no problem. Yeah, I think something that's helped me a little bit too is just like preparation. You know, if you're if you're going into a test that you did not study for, you're going to have that like, oh my gosh, I'm about to puke. Yeah. Versus if you go into a test that you know you've prepared. Yeah. yeah, Obviously when you sit down, your heart rate's going to go up a little bit. You're a little nervous. And then when the test comes, you're like, I'm ready for this. And then you can kind of push through. Yeah. So that also can help. But I love that point of if you're anxious in life, if there's stuff that you're, you know, really like can't solve, look at other areas of like, what is causing that? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's deeper, like you said. Yeah. There's something for sure you have something that you are carrying with you yeah. that you don't need anymore yeah. and you are able to get rid of it but of course yeah preparation is a big part of it but i've also seen players who like prepare very well they don't really miss any putts during the training session and then go out there and they're just all over yeah. the basket or like yeah. something goes on one of the things in sports too with the anxiety Sometimes once you accomplish the thing you're trying to accomplish and you get past that anxiety, that's also like the gratifying feeling that you chase. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if it was, it didn't mean anything and you mm-hmm. didn't get those feelings and you just won all the time, what are sports? You know, like my favorite moments, like when I'm under pressure, my whole body breaks down, it seems like. But then when I get past that and I win... The, awesome. Yeah, the feeling that you get. I mean, I'm getting chills right now because of the gratifying feeling of like I, I beat the worst part of myself. Yes. 
and that's really what I think sports are about is is pushing yourself to a place where like you work so hard to get and you know it's so hard and then you get past that point and then the feeling you get is just like you just come back old yeah yeah it makes all the practice and work and all that stuff worth it so you have to face your fears otherwise if you just shove them down it's going to get worse and worse and worse yeah love that all right the real question have you ever had a cinnabon yet no (laughs) you haven't had a cinnabon since you've been over here no. Oh my and, and gosh. The first time I even thought about having a Cinnabon <laughs> was like, it was now when I was flying to Kansas City and I, I had a layover in in Minnesota. And you smelt it. And I smelled <laughs> it. And I was like, yeah. what is this thing? And I was a Cinnabon. Oh my gosh, this smells magical. And then I was walking <laughs> past it for a couple of times and I was like, no. <laughs> Some people might disagree with me. But there might not be a better tasting thing than the middle of a Cinnabon. Oh my gosh. The very middle. You have to at least try it one time. It okay. is time. unreal. I will try. And maybe like, you know, when Silver comes over, maybe you guys can split it or something. Because it is, <laughs> one of them is a, it's a lot. But uh, it is, I don't know what they do. Two of them is perfect. They know I'm just, <laughs> it's the perfect number. Um, and the last question, another food related question, a lot of people want to know, what is it when you're over here that you miss the most from like food wise from Estonia? Is there a specific dish that you really miss that you can't get over here? Mostly I can make everything that I normally eat back home, but it, I guess black bread. You can Black pro- bread? Yeah. What's that? Like not, not rye, the bread at bread? Outback. Or I don't know how you is call it. Is it the bread at Outback? Because that bread is delicious. It's kind of black. I don't know. Rye? Rye, Yeah. Or like, it it just, it's black. We say black bread. I don't know. Yeah. I need to try this. Yeah. When you Uh, go over to Estonia. Do you put butter on it? Or what do you put on it? Or do you just eat jelly? Yeah, you just make like a sandwich. Sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) It tastes differently than just normal bread. Okay. But um, yeah, just, we call it black bread. A funnel cake. Have you ever had a funnel cake? I don't think so. Oh my gosh. I'm missing out on something. Yeah, you need to start hanging out with me more often. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the good stuff. Um, I got a question. Yes. Out of all the states now that you've played in and the tournaments that you played, what's your favorite? I think, well, I really like Northwest. I think it was very beautiful. Yeah. Um, but I, I think Vermont still yeah, holds a very like yeah. special p- place in my heart. Same. The weather also, it's like when you wake up and it's like crisp air in the morning. Mm-hmm. Oh man. It's We're usually there at the perfect time of year. Yeah. Yes. Which would be interesting at Worlds. It's going to be weird like not ha- being at GMC and having it be a world title, like a world championship. Right. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting. Well, so, do you, oh, that's right. You weren't there in 18. Mm, I wasn't. Yeah. So I don't know. And apparently they're doing a bunch of stuff with Brewster because whole one is a parking lot now. So. Oh, uh, yeah. I didn't know. Yeah, they're they're changing some of the things on the Brewster. I think they're trying to beefing it up. Okay. I think they thought it was a little bit too soft. So that's that's what I've heard. Um, all right, fan favorite seg- segment now, and then we'll get you out of here because obviously you have um, a tournament to play tomorrow. Pet peeves. So at this point, if you haven't watched this show, we basically asked our guests, what are things that uh, just kind of, you know, make your hair stand up is kind of drive you a little bit nuts of where you're just like, Oh my gosh, I hate when someone says that or hate when someone does that. And it can be either a player, it can be a friend, it can be a fan, it can be anything. Um, Give her an example. So an example of mine is 
if I'm, especially in a tournament, if I'm playing, let's say there's like a gap that you have to hit Mm -hmm. and the person in front of me throws and misses the gap. And then he turns around and goes, man, I never hit this gap. It's impossible to hit this gap. Like, it's like, I don't really want to hear that right before I have to step up to try to hit the gap. Uh, So like those type of things where it's like conversations that I think should be said between the player and the caddy, they're kind of said to like everyone. And it's like, bro, I I do not want to hear about. I hit this gap every time. Why, why, why is this gap gap really hard? Am I, uh, should I, should I be missing this gap? Um, So like anything like that, that happens uh, out on the course or after the round or anything. Yeah, I, I think I saw this question somewhere in, in, in a group mm-hmm. accidentally. Um, and I was just reading through the comments and I was just amazed by how many things bother <laughs> yes, people. Yes. And I was thinking, there's nothing that I can really think of because I feel like if I don't let it bother me, it doesn't bother me. So you're do, locked do in. You understand? Yeah, what no, I mean? for sure. It only bothers me if I let it bother me. Yeah. Yeah. And see, that's a pet peeve of mine that you just said that. <laughs> I can't do that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Is there anything? Uh, um, there there has been a few occasions where like fans ask me autographs in the middle of the round. And I, and, just, uh, yeah, that's and I feel one. like it's just inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I feel very like conflicted because I want to be nice. But at the same time, I'm like, do you not understand that I'm yeah. like yeah. doing my job right now because I don't come to your office yeah. demanding well, things? Yeah, and in the middle of in the middle, it's, it, there's a time and a place. Yes. Yeah, exactly. there's a time and a place. Exactly, and it's tough sometimes. We get put in the situation of where we have to be the bad guy. Where it would be nice if there was like a PDGA official or a disc golf pro tour yeah. staff member that mm-hmm. sees that and they can interfere and be like, oh, players aren't doing autographs in the middle of the round. Yeah, where you have to be yeah. the person be like. Not right now. Yeah. It, yeah. it, it makes it you has, feel bad. Yeah. And makes you're you like, feel bad. the heck? Like, <laughs> I got 10 minutes of my tea time. You just asked me to do this thing. Yeah. But something happened too often, yeah. but it has happened. Yeah. Which is also mind blowing. How, how can this happen? <laughs> I figured out a perfect it's, way to deal with this situation. You just tell them the truth. You say, I got 20 minutes before my tea time. I'll be at the tent right afterwards and I'll definitely get you. I would just be like, Inglas? What? what? Ing- <laughs> oh, no, have no Inglas. Just act like you don't have a Sammy Kingsley. <laughs> um, I, I've mentioned this. I think one of the reasons right now that a lot of stuff is like we're kind of going through some growing pains is if you do pull disc golfers, there's a lot of just disc golf fans that were in traditional sports growing mm-hmm. up and they kind of either found disc golf early or or they transitioned into disc golf late. Mm-hmm. And there are just some things, if you've been around sports your whole life, that you realize like when you're watching a basketball game, when the player comes out on a substitute and like sits down at the bench, not a good time to ask for a selfie, right? They're in a game. And I just think there's just some growing pains with some people that they're just out there and they're like, oh my God, it's Chris and Tatar. And they, just, they don't realize yeah. that, oh, there's a time and a yeah. place. And I think the Pro Tour has done a better job of like letting people know yes. like this is the autograph spot. Mm-hmm. players if they want to sign autographs will be here yeah. this is where to do it yeah I agree. And it's getting better but yeah it can obviously always get best better than that so this is gonna have to do apologies my computer died again issues <laughs> audio is not gonna be great for the listeners but we're gonna end it with this kristen's given us plenty of time more time than we could have yes. asked for so to answer your uh i guess to finish the i don't know where we left off at 
But the question was... Yeah, the, the question of out of everybody that you play against, is there somebody that you look at and you and you are inspired or just look at their game and you're like, man, that person putts really good or they're good at putter shots. Like, mm-hmm. is there anybody that comes to mind? I think overall I I should... I, I think own Scoggins because just in general, um, she's a Masters player, but she's on the lead card, it feels like almost every time in yeah. FBO. And then... I feel like she has this one certain type of shot and she is not like a bomber or, mm-hmm. or she yeah. doesn't throw the furthest in FBO but she makes it work yeah. and she's very determined, very hardworking. she makes a ton of amazing putts and she has this great attitude on the course and I mean I feel like it's, it's very inspirational that you can have a career even like when you're a masters player still yeah. you can compete in high level in mm-hmm. the open division, so that's nice. The way I view her when I watch her play, it, it it's kind of crazy because it's not just a one-time deal. She, Like you said, she's consistently there, but it feels like the way she acts, it feels like she's having the tournament of her life. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, But she does it consistently. Yeah. But like the way that she's just super bubbly, happy, outgoing, it feels like she's just happy to be there. Yeah. And he's just like, I'm playing insane, yeah. so I'm just gonna live in the moment. And then it's like next week, you're like, she's back in lead cards. She's back she's in the doing moment. Doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so she's super enjoyable to watch as well. And we kind of mentioned off camera a little bit just how cool her putting is, where she just is not afraid of any putt. Every putt she steps up to, she's like, I'm gonna make this putt. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, all right. That's gonna be it. Hopefully uh, you guys all enjoyed that. Uh, hopefully we can crop that all together. And uh, I don't know, this was a little bit of a disaster on my production. Brody's so getting a new computer this next week. That's what's happening. Yes, I think my battery is finally kaput. <laughs> so new computer, uh, Kristen, thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. I think everyone at home will really appreciate your thoughtfulness and um, just your time that you've given the podcast. Um, I know a lot of people had Uh, a lot of interest in hearing what you say and we wish you the best of luck the rest of the season and you're always welcome back so whenever you want and we said once you get to a thousand but now I feel like once you have a Cinnabon that's when you're coming (laughs) that is true (laughs) whichever happens first Cinnabon or a thousand we need to have you back to to get an answer uh, of exactly how you feel so alright that's going to do it guys thanks so much for watching Tour Life we'll see you next time peace